turning your Bibles with me to Luke, Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, we will be reading in God's Word from Luke chapter 8, the first time that Jesus shares a parable. So up into this seven chapters, he's been doing a lot of miracles, but up to this point, he hasn't turned to teaching miracles, which we see earlier in other Gospels, but here, it's as though he's talking to the crowds, the the many crowds that are gathering around Jesus, and it's almost like he's having to cut through the noise, cut through the crowds of all the people gathering to hear and to see Jesus. He's trying to hear, he's trying to see who are his true disciples, and he does this by teaching a parable. We read this in Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 4. And when a great cat crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to his, to his seed, to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what is this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path of those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar, puts it under a bed, and, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that not, will not be known and come to life. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has te- not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that you would help us. Lord, that you would help us have ears to hear you this morning, that you would give us the ears to hear your sweet, grace-filled, joy-giving, life-giving voice, 
Lord, that even as we hear your word this morning, that we would not be we would not allow the devil to come and to snatch away your truth from our hearts. Lord, that we would not allow the, the trials and the temptations, the hard things of life to make your word wither in our hearts and for us to fall away. Lord, that we would not allow the, the cares of the world, the riches, the possessions, all this world has to offer us. Lord, that we would not see it as better than you and your word. But that, Lord, we would do exactly what we just sang, that we would see it as sweet to trust in Jesus. Sweet to cling to Jesus and to His Word, knowing that in Christ is all the life, the joy, the grace that we need. Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you can tell a lot about people by looking at their relationships in life. Like if you watch the relationships in their life, you can tell a lot about these people, a lot, a lot about what's going on in their heads and in their hearts. You can, you can tell, for instance, a lot about your boyfriend, they say, by, by looking at his relationship with his mother. You ever heard anybody say that? Watch a man's relationship with his mother and you can tell a lot about the kind of husband that he's going to be. You can learn a lot about someone by the way that they live with their roommates. Y'all can take notes if your uh, boyfriend or girlfriend is the, the sloppy one in their house or the lazy one in their house. Or th you might be able to learn a little bit about this person and how they're going to be in the years ahead. You can tell a ton about someone by the way that they treat a waiter or a waitress. I live by that truth. If, you go, if I go eat with you and you're a jerk to the waiter or waitress, I know so much about you in those four minutes. Or you can tell a whole lot about UK basketball fans by their relationships with other teams, what they think about other teams. Have you ever met any of those people that say, you know, I love Kentucky but I'm also a fan of Louisville and Western. I just want them all to win. I'm like, you're not a fan of Kentucky. You, you like basketball, but you're not a Kentucky fan. Or, or some people say, like, I love Kentucky, but I just want to see Coach K win that one last one. You might have heard people say that over the last few weeks. You're a basketball fan. You're not, you don't like UK, right? You can tell a lot about people by their relationships in their life. And listen, brothers and sisters, we read this passage, we can tell. You, you can tell a lot about a Christian by their relationship to God's Word. You can tell a ton about a Christian by their relationship to God's words. Show me someone's relationship with God's Word, and I'll show you their relationship with God. Show me their relationship and how they hear and how they receive Jesus' words, and I'll show you their relationship with Jesus. Like, show me how they listen to His Word. Show me how they read His Word, how they think and meditate on His Word, how they respond to His Word. Show me their posture before God's Word, and it will show me a lot about their heart towards Jesus. See, up to this point, the crowds have been growing and growing and growing around Jesus. They've been drawn to Jesus, and it seems like primarily because of all that Jesus can do. 
Like he can really put on a show. There's a lot of miracles. There's a lot of impressive things going on in Jesus' ministry. I mean, we see the power of Jesus on glorious display by how he's healing lepers and how he's healing the sick, how he's even raising the dead. And all this would draw a crowd, right? I want to see those things. Those things are impressive. Every single one of us, if we were near the Sea of Galilee and he's out there raising a dead person, we're stopping what we're doing and we're going to see Jesus, right? So Jesus here begins to speak miracles for the first time as the crowds continue to grow. And the purpose of parables is to separate those who are truly disciples from those who are casual listeners. The parables separate those who have come to lay down their lives, to deny themselves, to take up their cross and to follow Jesus, and those who have just simply come for the show. See, what makes someone a true disciple is not that they like seeing the show. It's not that they like watching the miracles. What makes someone a true disciple is not that they like the crowd around them. It's not just that they like the music on Sunday morning. What makes someone a true disciple is not that they just keep coming back. It's not that they come every Sunday morning. No, what makes someone a true disciple is their relationship to Jesus and His Word. That's how we have to check our heart and see our heart, is what is your relationship to Jesus and to His words? So let me begin asking you that question. How do you receive the Word of God? What's your relationship to what Jesus says, to His message? What soil are you in light of this passage? Are you a casual listener? Or maybe you're someone who appears to believe until life gets bitter or until the world looks better. Or are you someone who listened to the words of Jesus and you receive the words of Jesus and you hold fast to His Word and and you treasure God's Word, you treasure the Bible and you obey it with your life. See, Jesus opens up, starting in verse 4, and he tells this parable. It's a parable we're probably all familiar with. And what a parable is, it's a simple story that's telling a simple spiritual truth. Jesus says in verse 5, there's a sower who went out to the field, and he starts scattering seed everywhere that he walks. He he scatters seed. Some of the seed falls along the path, and, and the birds come and snatch it away. Other seed falls on the rocky soil and it sprouts up really fast. It looks like it's growing real fast, but quickly it withers away. And then some seed, some seed falls among the thorns, but the thorns choke out any growth. Yet Jesus says there's some seed, some seed that fell among the good soil. The good soil that brings growth, that brings massive fruit, a hundredfold from a small little seed. Now I'm sure everyone in the crowd would have known exactly what Jesus was talking about. I mean, it was an agriculture, a farming community. Everybody would have witnessed a farmer sowing seed. This wouldn't have been new to anyone. But what they didn't understand is what this has to do with Jesus and his kingdom. 
Like, why is Jesus holding an FFA seminar down by the river today? Like, what's going on? Even the disciples, when they get alone with Jesus, are left wondering, what, what does this parable have to do with Jesus and his kingdom? And as we hear God's word today, as we walk through this passage, through this story, I want you to ask your own heart, what's my relationship to Jesus and his words? What is my relationship to Jesus and to his words? Because Jesus says this, first of all, there's some people Some people have Jesus' words stolen by Satan. This is a seed that falls along the path. It's a a hard path. It's been well-traveled. And so the the seed can't seep deep into the soil. It sits on top where, where birds can swoop by and see it and devour it. And so Jesus says some people are like this. For some people, they they might listen to Jesus' words, but the the devil swoops in, snatches up his words from the listener. So yes, you might hear the words of Jesus coming from Jesus' mouth. You, You might hear the words of Jesus even this morning listening to the Bible being preached. But before you believe it, before it can take root in your heart, before it can have any effect on you, the devil comes and snatches it away. And this happens all the time. In fact, this is going to happen this morning if you're not careful by how you hear God's word. The last thing the devil wants is for you to to come in on a Sunday morning and be affected by the word of God. That's the very last thing that he wants to happen in your heart. I mean, he is more than fine for you coming to church and finding a couple friends. He's more than fine than for, for you to come in here and hear a few words. For you to be entertained for a second. For you to like to sing some songs. He doesn't care how God's Word even hits your ears as long as it doesn't hit your heart. So this morning, the, the devil is moving in this, moving to snatch away Anything that you could hear and that could affect your heart. Swarming through here, hovering over your head so it doesn't hit your heart. He's doing everything for you not to believe that this is God's good word for you. He's doing everything so that you do not repent of your sin. So that you don't change at all. He doesn't want you to let go of that sin that you treasure so much. He doesn't want you to think Jesus is better than the things in your life. He doesn't want you to believe that this is God's Word. So Satan comes to to steal, kill, and destroy. To come snatch away the truth from you believing it and finding life in it. But Jesus says, second of all, some people let go of Jesus' Word when life gets hard. This is the second seed. It's falling on top of the rocky soil. This this soil might look good to the appearance. So so when we hear Jesus' story, he's not talking about it's like this big boulder, this big rock that clearly seed can't be planted there. He's saying there might be a thin layer of dirt. There might be some grass, but underneath there is much rocky soil that nothing could grow in. 
The seed isn't able to get down in deep into the soil. It's, it's not able to take deep roots, so it quickly might sprout, out, sprout up, but it quickly withers away. And Jesus says some people hear God's word like this. They seem to receive it with joy. It, it might sprout up fast for a moment, but the moment it gets hard, the moment that testing comes, they, they fall away and they wither away. Listen, Jesus isn't saying that people can fall away from faith. Jesus never teaches us that, that you can lose your salvation. The, the true saints persevere until the end. But Jesus is saying that some people look like they believe. Some people look like they believe. They might appear to have joy, but it's only temporary. It's only situational. Sometimes they appear to believe. They might appear to follow. It might look this way for a week. It might look this way for months, maybe even dec decades, but it's not real. It's not genuine. It hasn't taken root in their heart. I mean, the word testing here in verse 13 can mean a lot of things. It can mean a lot of things that could cause you to let go of Jesus and His Word. It could mean that you receive Jesus' words with joy until your family starts ridiculing you for following Jesus. Or until the world starts persecuting you because you renounce everything to follow Jesus. It could mean that you receive His words with joy that is until you face great suffering in your life. Maybe you lose a loved one. You think, God is not good anymore. I'm letting go of Him. You get really sick in your life. You think, God's not for me. I'm going to let go of Jesus in my life. It could mean that you receive Jesus. You receive His words with joy until another Christian hurts you. Until another Christian lets you down and and you let go of Jesus as you let go of your friend. See, I've worked with a lot of young students, a lot of Western students and over the years. And we've seen a lot of people that have walked this road, that have let go of clinging to Christ when it's hard. And it's almost in college when things are fun, when... When life seems like that, that loving Jesus is great as long as loving Jesus is easy. As long as it's comfortable and not costly, then I'll follow Jesus. And so I've seen students, students that get involved in campus ministry. I've seen students that go weekly to community groups. Students that we've prayed for friends in, in Bible studies. I've seen people who, who love to hang out with their Christian friends and, and who have tons of joy in Jesus, or so it seems. Until they leave college and life gets hard and suffering comes and they were never holding fast to Jesus, never truly rooted in His Word. So maybe a question for you this morning would be, are you rooted in Jesus and His Word, or are you rooted in a community? Are you rooted in a friend group? Are you rooted in some people you like to be around? 
Because those things are totally di- different. Are you won over by Jesus and His Word? Or are you won over by Christian friends? Because it's not the same. Like, hear me when I say that. It's not the same to, to like being around people or believing that Jesus gives life and I need Him. Those aren't the, the same thing. Because life is going to get hard and there's going to be days in your future that are going to get lonely and life's going to hurt and only Jesus and His Word are going to sustain you. And people around you that help you cling to Jesus and to His Word because He is enough. There's a third soil though. The third soil, Jesus says, is those people that let go of Jesus' words when the world looks better. A third seed that falls among the, the soil. And he says, this soil has thorns in it. This seed grows up, but it grows up among the thorns. This seed for a long time, look, it looks like it's going to grow. It looks like it's going to bear fruit. But the thorns grow up with it. The thorns entangle it. The thorns choke out any fruit that it could bear. And Jesus says some people are like this. When they hear the Word of God, they might show signs of growth. It appears like there's genuine fruit. They're meeting with you every week. You're hanging out at Spencer's, reading through a book. You're going to church with them. They look like they're getting so involved. But then the cares and the riches and the possession, the stuff that this world wants to offer begins to choke out any growth in your heart. I mean, we've all seen this happen so many times as well. Haven't we? There's, there's, there's faces of people that we can see that, that have ran after the world instead of Christ. And it makes sense when we even look at our own life where, where the world starts to overwhelm the word in our heart. The world can overwhelm the world in our heart. It makes sense when we look and compare our intake of the world with our intake of God's word. I mean, when we look at our lives and we see ourselves watching 20 hours of Netflix or Hulu every week and, and there's about 20 minutes in God's word. Or we spend 30, week, 30 hours a week scrolling through our smartphones, but 30 minutes in God's Word, listening to God's Word on a Sunday morning. No, mo- no wonder the world overwhelms Jesus' words when the world has our ears, and the world has our eyes, and the world has our hearts. Day after day. Be careful, church. It, Is the world choking your heart? Ask yourself that. Is the world that we live in choking your heart? Choking your heart from trusting Jesus. Choking your heart from holding fast to His Word. When you know that Jesus is saying with a heart full of love, deny yourself. But the world out here is telling us, no, live for yourself. Live for whatever feels good. Live for whatever feels right in the moment. Where the world says, that, where the Word of God tells you to be holy as He is holy, but the world's telling you, no, do whatever feels good. 
Do whatever you find satisfaction in. Where you know that Jesus warns you about the love of money, the greed of money, but the world says, no, you've got to get more. You've got to want more. Where you know the world, what the Word of God says about marriage and sexuality, but the world says love is love, so you better get on board. Brothers and sisters, don't miss it. We, we are all, every single one of us, are being choked by the world, trying to be squeezed into its mold. And unless you cling to Jesus, and unless you cling to his word, you're going to get choked out, period. And give our hearts to all that this world wants to offer us. Because the world's going to always try to sell you that Blank is better than Jesus. That something in this world, some of the stuff, some of the cares, some of the possessions, some of the relationships, that boyfriend, whatever it is, is better than Jesus. But nothing is better than Christ. Nothing is better than Jesus. Nothing is more life-giving than Jesus. And so lastly, we come to the last soil, and we hear Jesus teach us that Jesus' true disciples hold fast to Jesus and His Word. The final seed falls upon the good soil, and, and it grows up, and it yields, it says, a hundredfold. Like, a seed would be good to get like 25, 30-fold, but He's saying there's this a massive amount of fruit that clings to Jesus, that listens to His Word. This is a massive amount of fruit that comes from trusting Christ. Look at verse 15. He says, As for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word hold, fat, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So I ask you, does this describe your relationship with Jesus and His word? Does that describe your relationship to this book? Like you just described, Lance, my relationship with the Word of God that I love and that I listen to and I cling to. I'm not even asking. Listen, this is so important. I'm not even asking you how much you read the Bible. I'm not even asking you, tell me your practice of reading the Scripture. I'm actually talking about your posture towards Jesus and His Word. Because we all know we can check the boxes on our Bible app. We can go through the motions of, of checking the boxes of reading every week without wanting it to affect our heart, to give life to our souls. And so I'm not talking about your practice of reading God's Word. I'm talking about your posture towards God's Word. Think about this. How you perceive someone how you perceive someone will dictate how you receive from someone, right? So how you perceive someone will dictate how you receive from that person. So if, if you know this person's for you, if you know this person that loves you, that cares for you, they're for your good, you're not going to fold your arms and close your ears and not take and receive what they have. But if you know they're for you, if you know their heart is large for you, that they love you, they've come to give you life, you're going to open up your heart 
You're going to open up your ears. Whether that's a mother, a father, whether that's a friend, you're going to receive from those who love you greatly. And so when you think about your posture with Jesus, do you, do you hear every single word from Jesus? Do you hear the words from this book like he's a, a tyrant king who demands much and gives little? Or do you hear every word from a Savior King who not only speaks life, but gives life. A Savior King who doesn't just come to speak every word for your good and for your joy and for your life, but He even came to live for you and die for you and rise again for you so you can have life in Him. See, true disciples hold fast to Jesus alone to save them, and they hold fast to His Word to sustain them. This is so important as disciples. Listen, church, listen, I, I pray that our hearts get this today, that Jesus has the same aim in every word that he speaks to you that he does in his death for you. He has the same aim in every word that we read that he speaks to you that he does in his laying down his life for you. I mean, Jesus says this himself in John chapter 10. He says, the thief comes. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you might have a life and have it abundantly. So Jesus speaks so that you might have life abundantly. Jesus laid down his life so that you can have life abundantly. So think about it. When you hear Jesus' words, do you, do you hear them as though they're a, a harsh command from a tyrant king? Or do you hear them as a gracious invitation to joy? A gracious invitation to love? A gracious invitation to life from a Savior king who would lay down his life for you? I mean, just think about Jesus' words. In a few weeks, we're going to be in Luke chapter 9, and and Jesus says this to the disciples. And think about, do you hear this as a harsh command or an invitation to joy? He says, like, if anybody would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Do you hear that as a harsh command, as a, as a heavy demand on your life that you can never live? Or do you hear it as a gracious invitation from Jesus? Because as you hear those words, maybe you've heard those words a hundred times. As you hear these words, the devil wants nothing more than to snatch those words out of your head and out of your heart. And you walk away from here looking not different at all. Or you could receive these with joy for a second. I'll follow Jesus for a season maybe. Until trials come and life gets hard. Or you could receive it for a moment and think Jesus is worth it until you found something that's more worthy of your life. Something that seems better for your heart until this world chokes it away. Or you could this morning, maybe for the first time, take Jesus at his word and hear a heart of grace and love speaking to you and and you could maybe for the first time in your life, you could deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow Jesus. 
You, you could repent of your sin and cast yourself on Jesus Christ as the one and only Savior and follow Him with everything in your life and find life abundantly in Him. Or maybe think about another passage, another word from Jesus at the end of Matthew 28. Jesus says these words, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. How do you receive those words? Does that seem heavy on your life? Or does that seem like God is in, Jesus himself is inviting you to joy? Because the last thing the devil would want is for that good news that Jesus saves to leave this room this morning. For you to want to go and make disciples. Or, or maybe the pressures of this world Maybe the pressure from your family, the, the fact of being ostracized by people around you and ridiculed by people around you, maybe it makes you wither and it keeps the gospel to yourself. Or maybe the cares of the world, the, the things that shine in this world, they consume you and your life is about everything. Your life becomes about everything but the one thing Jesus calls you to, and that's to make disciples. Or maybe this morning you could obey Jesus' words. You could receive those with joy and you could go take the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's to our neighborhood this afternoon at 3 o'clock as our church goes to share that Jesus saves with our neighbors around us. Or maybe it's for you to go to Forest Park and plant your lives in that church so that you can make disciples over there. Or maybe... When you hear these words, go and make disciples, maybe for the first time you hear Jesus' words and you say, I'm going to commit to, I'm going to plant my life somewhere overseas where I can make disciples where someone has never heard it. Where someone's never heard the name of Jesus. How are you going to receive Jesus and his words today? Let me ask you four quick questions as we close from our passage about hearing Jesus' words, to diagnose your heart about are you hearing Jesus? Are you clinging to Jesus and his words? Number one, are you hearing his word humbly? Are you hearing his word humbly? Verse 15 says, those who hear the word, they hold fast in a good and honest, in an honest and good heart. So check your heart and ask yourself, what is my posture towards Jesus and towards his word? Am, am I putting myself over Jesus' words as though I'm the authority, as, as though I get to judge it, as I get to examine it, and I get to take the parts that I want, and I get to discard what I don't want? Or do I put myself under Jesus' words? But Jesus is my king, and Jesus has spoken, and it, he can search my mind, and he can search my heart, and he can lead me into the life that's everlasting. True disciples humbly receive Jesus' words and hold fast to Jesus' words simply because they're Jesus' words. And tis so sweet it is to, to trust in Jesus and take him at his word. 1 Thessalonians says this, Paul says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, 
You accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is. The word of God, which is at work in you believers. Do you receive it humbly? Number two, are you receiving his word patiently? It says hearing the word, hold, holding it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. When you receive God's word, let me ask you this. What are your expectations? Do you expect fast results? Do you, do you want it to be easy to obey? When you hear God's word, are you easily frustrated when you don't feel something that morning or that day at church? Or, or you want to get something out of it now? be honest with you, sometimes I can get really impatient, just life in general. But even reading God's word, that I want, I want to get something now. I want growth to come quickly. I want to get results today. But Jesus isn't calling us to microwave discipleship. He's calling us to a lifetime of discipleship under his word. That means we don't measure the effect of God's word in our lives over a week. But we measure the effect of his word over a lifetime. One uh, English pastor who was killed under the reign of Bloody Mary said this about God's word. He said that the rain does not cause a hole in the stone out of violence, but by often falling. The hole doesn't come in the stone by violence, but by often falling on the stone. Often receiving the word of God upon our hearts. Question three, are you hearing his word carefully? Jesus uses the illustration in verse 16 to 18. He says that this, his teaching, his words are, are like a lamp that you don't want to put under your bed. You, you don't want to hide it in a jar. You want to put it on a stand so that it shines. And, and God's word, it illuminates and exposes the heart. And it exposes your heart that it, it reveals whether or not you really hear Jesus. Whether or not you're really listening to Jesus, you're receiving His Word. And so Jesus says this in verse 18. He, he warns the disciple in the light of His Word. He says, take care then how you hear. Be careful how you hear. The warning is for disciples to hear God's Word carefully. Not to come in on a Sunday and listen to His Word casually. Not to read his word flippantly and just check some boxes, but to receive it for what it is, the word of God for my soul. Final question. Are you hearing his word obediently? So let me ask you this. What is your aim for hearing God's word every Sunday morning? Like, what's the goal at the end of every Sunday? What, what do you hope to come away with? See, at the end of Jesus' day, Jesus has been teaching all day long, and his mother and his brothers come, and someone yells out to Jesus and says, Hey, Jesus, your mama, your daddy, all your friends, they're outside. Your family's here. They want to see you. They can't get to you. And what's Jesus' response to all those that are standing around and to this man? He says this. 
My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. They're those who hear the word of God and do it. True disciples don't just hear only. They receive God's word and, and their goal, their aim is that they would bear fruit. That they would walk in obedience for God's family God's true family, obedience is not optional. The aim is always obedience. The aim is always obedience. So again, church, I ask you this morning as we close, what is your relationship to Jesus and his word? What is your relationship to the Savior King who would live for you and die for you and rise again that you might have life? And who speaks every word to you so that you have life. So that you have joy. So that you know grace. So that you receive a love that you've never known from anything in this world. Are you listening to his words humbly? Are you listening to his words patiently? Are you listening to his words carefully? Are you listening to his words obediently? In John chapter 6, Jesus is doing another great miracle. He's taking some fish and some bread, and he's feeding 5,000 people, which is amazing. But it's clear that people had come to Jesus just to see the show, to, to get their bellies filled. And Jesus says a harsh word, a, a heavy word for the people. He says, listen, unless you... Eat my flesh and drink my blood. You can not have any part of me. Again, he's talking about the cost of discipleship. And, and John chapter 6 says that all the crowds, many of the disciples left Jesus on that day. And Jesus turns to Simon and says, Simon, are y'all going to go like everybody else? And Simon Peter's response is, Jesus, where else are we going to go? For you alone are the one who has the words of eternal life. Let's be a church that doesn't just sing these words, but believes these words. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would help us Oh, Lord, that you would humble us, that you would do a work in our heart by the power of this word, by the power of your spirit, so that we might be a people who hold fast to Jesus. Hold fast to Jesus as the one and only Savior who lived for us, died for us, and rose again. But also that we would hold fast to Jesus every single word that he speaks by the power of your spirit, you would cut us to the heart so that we would not just be hearers only, but we would be doers of the word. So, Lord, give us humility as we hear. Lord, give us patience, Lord, for a lifetime in your word. Lord, let us be careful. Give us a heart that we take heed to your warnings and we're careful to not just listen to your word and forget it, but, Lord, to listen to your word and hide it in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that our aim will always be obedience.
Obedience to You, our Savior King, who loves us, who lived for us, who died for us, and rose again. And Lord, who has not quit speaking life to Your people. So Lord, I pray that even this morning we would hear Jesus through Your Word. We would hear You say that You have come to give life that we might have life and have it abundantly and that we would believe it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.